0: is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com and also healingsuicide.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and an energy worker channel and a psychic medium. And at tdjacobs.com there are tons of tools to support you in your unfolding journey wherever you are. This is a Dear Diary audio thing. I do this periodically. Sometimes I talk about transits. I call them a transit lab. You know, like I'm explaining this like living process that's going on and how some transit is affecting me, and there, there's several blog posts from, uh, you know, the last 10 years or so about that, too. <clears throat> Sometimes I just talk about a feature of the natal chart or what I'm learning about an other life memory or how to deal with some emotional thing or, you know, Crystal Diaries, right, are um, part of this Dear Diary uh, series. And this one today covers quite a lot of ground, and it's it, it, going to be jumping around throughout the timeline of uh, Tom Jacobs's life to ex- to explain a couple things because what I, what I think I might call this MP3 is um, I don't know maybe what happened <laughs> uh, but uh, but anyway this is this is kind of focusing on my neptunium profile which I do from time to time um, and I do that not because I like it <laughs> but because if I am able to articulate something about things that are mysterious. Regarding the twelfth house and also the planet Neptune and the sign of Pisces, you know uh, if I can articulate something that i that I like to and somebody reflected to me I don't know several years ago uh another astrologer I met at a Steve Forrest program, and she had been listening to one of my podcasts um unraveling karma, which was an iTunes podcast years ago. all the episodes are in uh I think in my blog, right, tdjacobs.com, but anyway, um, I used to answer listener questions and I was explaining what I learned from you said to Master about karma, blah, 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 and she said, you know, but, but you're doing something that's that's unique and, and it's really, it's it might not be understood by a lot of people, I'm paraphrasing her, but she said, what you're doing is you're giving an example of healthy Neptune where it seems like a lot of people are saying, well, you can't really understand Neptune and you're saying, well, actually, here's how to live with Neptune and I kind of was proud that that got through. I didn't realize it till she said it. <laughs> but it is true. I'm trying to anyway, that's that's what this is about. And and um I'll even give you my birth data. I have it on my um my chart on my website on the on the about uh page, but but I was born um if you want to follow along, I was born November 8th, 1972 at 4:16 a.m. in Dover, Ohio in the US on Earth <clears throat> in the Milky Way. Um so I have Pluto in the 12th house. Uh, with Venus, and also they are sextile Neptune itself in the second house in Sagittarius, which is part of a stellium, including true black moon, Lilith, moon, and Mercury. Mercury. Mercury and Neptune and Lilith are in the second in Sagittarius. Moon is in the third, but really close to Mercury in Sagittarius. The moon-mercury moon kind of straddle the house cusp if you're using Placidus, which, which is what I typically use. If you use Coke or porphyry, the moon will be in the second. It doesn't feel right to me. <clears throat> Sorry, I have to, I'm going to pause this. Just keep clearing my throat. So becoming more conscious of how to deal with Neptunian, Piscean, 12th house issues is a thing. Uh, it's 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 definitely a task that I have to undertake. So Pluto, for me, and the way I do astrology, the way I do evolutionary or karmic astrology, is the empowerment journey that the soul sets out for the human. So the most important thing that I could do uh, as a human to feel strong and confident or empowered involves being in the 12th house, right? Which is a part, which holds the parts of life where one has to surrender. Neptune, on the other hand, is the part of self that needs to surrender, to find a higher truth, to learn how to adapt to a higher level of consciousness, or find the divine, or seek altered states, or what something like that. Pisces, by the way, which I don't have planets in Pisces outside one asteroid, but at least one asteroid that I use. Uh, but Pisces would be the mode, right? So a planet in Pisces is seeking to surrender that part of the psyche. So, so anyway, I don't I don't consider a house, a sign, and a planet the same thing. But for the purposes of talking about The different sides of this archetype, it may sound like it when I say, oh, well, Pisces or Neptune in the twelfth house. I don't really conflate them. Um so the the twelfth house is where like where things are happening, right? Neptune is that part of you, and then Pisces is a way of being. Okay. So with Pluto in the twelfth, you know, I need to figure this surrender bit out. And that means altered consciousness. I need to learn how to deal with that. Well, that has to do with energy and perceptions of energy, as well as consciousness. So sometimes people with Pluto in the 12th house find themselves very controlling. Some of them learn surrender and go with the flow, but there are going to be, with anybody's Pluto placement, there are going to be memories or residues of when it didn't go well. So if you don't surrender, but you have Pluto in the 12th, you may be caused, in some way, through some means to surrender. This was part of the teaching of the recent Trump update, uh, Put in the Twelfth House and the Inevitability of Submission. Kind of a dramatic phrase, but check out that that audio here on SoundCloud. Um, it'll explain a, a little bit more about this. But if you don't give up control, you will be caused to give up control. That's just how, how it is. And then you can see that as surrendering to how things are or as a defeat. So anyway, people with on in the Twelfth sometimes resist giving up, giving in, right? Okay. And that's what I was explaining about with Trump and this whole government shutdown thing and, you know, just kind of like in general being controlling and and demanding and narcissistic and selfish and whatever else with that Pluto and Leo in the 12th house. Afraid to give an inch because then life will take a mile. <clears throat> that kind of idea. And and just also understanding that we should approach people who have that kind of behavior with compassion because uh, these are very real experiences, where you feel like you lose everything, right? That might be from some other life, but it's still we should acknowledge that it's a real experience. Whatever it is, like anybody's phobias or control issues or even anger and bitterness, resent, resentment, you know, we should look at all those things as, you know, evidence that we've been through things in many lifetimes. So, then Neptune itself conjunct Mercury-Moon in my chart, and so I'm going to, as a matter of course regarding emotions and also the way my mind works, the way logic works with me, will be you know, influenced by Neptune, and of course they're sextile each other. Pluto-Venus in the 12th <laughs> sextile Moon-Mercury-Neptune. So I need to do this. I need to surrender, but I also may lose track of things, and I may get thrown off course regarding consciousness. Um, so, because Mercury and Neptune together, it's a great benefit if one learns how to channel or, you know, hear what animals are thinking or whatever, which I've also done. Uh, so there are wonderful things about it. You know, being a psychic medium, that's part of that story. You know, these planets in in this configuration together. This thing I want to tell you about, though, really has recently, uh... Revealed itself and kind of come to a head and been very surprising. And, and so I'm just going to give you, it's, like I said, it's a Dear Diary thing. So it's a little astrology teaching, a little spiritual teaching. But it is a Dear Diary thing where I'm sharing these stories. And the first uh, story in this is when I, is when I lived in um, uh, Southern California for about six years, like mid-2003 to mid-2009. And I lived in the L.A. area. And um, <clears throat> I have a lot of good memories from there, so I'm trying not to flash back and get stuck and that's another Mercury-Neptune thing. But anyway, I used to, like for part of the time, I lived like east side, like Silver Lake, uh, this place called Elysian Valley, which is um, this little pocket by the five, next between the five and the river, uh, south of Glendale, <clears throat> east of Echo Park and Whatever, south of Griffith Park. So I lived there for, for some of the time. And the other part of the time, I lived in Santa Monica, Venice, Marina del Rey. Kind of like back and forth but among those three places. So, yeah, I moved a lot in six years, yes. <laughs> um, when I lived in uh, the west side, in Santa Monica and Venice, well, actually, when I lived in Silver Lake, I would sometimes go to the ocean, like drive all the way west side. It's like a 45 minute surface street drive or whatever, you know, and then on the highway, it's sometimes that long too with traffic. And I um, liked going, walking on the boardwalk. I liked being out on the piers. I like the Santa Monica Pier because I like the whole, um, whatever, the like, I don't want to say nightlife, but like there's a little, um, if you haven't, you've seen it in movies and TV, but there's a little theme park, amusement park. There's like a little roller coaster and a Ferris wheel and whatever, and just like an arcade and vendors and people drawing each other, I don't know, whatever, and people fishing off the side. Anyway, so it's like a little, you know, life down there, and I like that. But there's also the Venice Pier, which is, is, I think it has some lights, you know, like like a street would, some of those overhead lights, but it's not like a tourist place, there aren't businesses there. So there, standing on the edge of the pier, looking into the ocean, I would get a freak out. This only happened twice because I couldn't afford to let it happen again because it truly overwhelmed me. Because I I don't have the benefit of seeing the light on the water, like the sunlight, and all the distraction of the birds and the tourists and everybody. It's dark. And I could feel the waves of energy in the ocean, and it was enormous, and it overwhelmed me, and it freaked me out. So the first time it happened... I was shaken, like, you know, if somebody would have seen me, they probably would have w- thought I just got mugged or hit over the head or something, because I was, like, really, like, scared. Overwhelmed. That hadn't happened. I don't think that had happened before this. And this was kind of early on, more, probably like 2003 or 4. And then I went out again because I was like, well, I don't want to be silly. So, and this is beautiful. And it is beautiful. Whether or not you have a lot of moonlight or whatever, it is beautiful. And um, it was also overwhelming, so I kind of shut that down and kind of went somewhere else. Um, So being there during the day did not do this. Even when I saw the waves, I wasn't feeling the energy the same way. So there's that. Fast forward to living in Tucson, where the Tucson is surrounded by four mountain ranges. It's in a valley. And um, in the low desert so it's off of saguaro cactus it's part of the sonoran desert which arizona and new, and and mexico share i don't know if it goes into new mexico that might be a different desert but <clears throat> uh whatever it shares with texas i'm not quite sure but whatever uh the sonoran desert in tucson and um i went east like for several years i didn't have a car but when I did have a car, I wanted to drive around. Because I was like, before that, like it was hard to get the business off the ground. And I just frankly couldn't afford one. And I kind of also had this thing about biking. After years in L.A. and having to have a car. After years in Boston and being happy not to have a car. Anyway, it was kind of like having this like pendulum swing. And I was like, no, I'm going to bike. I love biking. And then finding out the climate and the weather in Tucson really were, it was really, really tough to bike. It was really hard. So anyway, eventually I bought a car. And, um, I drove east to this place called Gates Pass, which is a, um, it's a little pass through the mountains. And when you, when you were driving east, is that right? No, when you're driving west, sorry, the west side of town, when you're driving west toward the mountains, I, this is my favorite view of the Tucson mountains, like there's spectacular mountains north of the city of the Santa Catalinas, but to the west, which I think are called the Tucson Mountains. Um, I just loved them. So I drove over there one night before dark. And when you come over Gates Pass, then you see the desert spread out in front of you. It's really spectacular. And I wanted to see like sunset or whatever. So I did that. And driving back, it was noticeably dark. And I felt the energy of the mountains. I felt the energy of the earth coming up in the mountains. And I had the same freak out. I had the same freak out as when in the dark, watching the, um, you know, being aware of the energy in under the surface of the ocean and how enormous that body of water is. So that freaked me out and I had to kind of shut down and drive home. And again, if you had seen me, you would have think that I just, uh, that I was like, you know, I just seen some horrific event because I was totally freaked out. It's the, over, the, th- the seeming threat of overwhelm, of consciousness. So you, okay, so then, <laughs> fast forward, I mean, along the way, I've done, like I said, animal communication, which has something to do with this. I've done mediumship, which is another frequency, right? If you just tune into all the like dead people floating around, you'd be overwhelmed too. So you do one at a time. But you know, like like I've done all these kinds of consciousness exploration things, and even some of the Souls Journey episodes, which are this is the, my second podcast that I did for for almost three years, from 2012 to 2015. Almost all those episodes are on SoundCloud uh, here on SoundCloud uh, and available for free. I think 140 of the 142 episodes are there. Anyway, I did two of them that are called, uh, I think, Explorations in Consciousness or something like that. And um, anyway, so talk about different things and these different frequencies. But but um, then fast forward to last week or 10, well, last week sometime, and a client of mine, a coaching client, sent me a photo in an email, and it was of a very large shark. <laughs> and, um uh a, a diver next to the shark with a hand on the shark and this person you know this person was a normal sized human person next to this gigantic shark and i wrote and i wrote back to her gosh is that even real and she wrote back oh yes it is here is um and she and she was a uh, reference like she had sent it to me because we talk about things under the surface uh, you know and and being compassionate toward what seemed like monsters or whatever, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not sure, I don't remember exactly what she said, and I can't afford to look at the email again, as I will explain. (laughs) I haven't told her this too, but I'm sure she's listening. Um, So anyway, she said, yes, it is real, here's the link to the original article. (laughs) So I click on the link, because I'm a moron, no, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm interested, and I open it up, and there are various pictures of this shark, and there is one looking kind of straight on to the face of the shark, And I get freaked out in the same exact way. I get freaked out in the same exact way because I can see the soul, the consciousness in there, even in a still photo. So I scroll down to look at other pictures, and they're all freaking me out. So I'm like, okay, here it is again. And I have to shut that down and close the email. I don't even reply. (laughs) I don't even reply and say, Oh, my God, I wish I hadn't opened this link. So then I'm like a little on edge a little bit, just like those other times, right? But now, fast forward to 2019, I am currently living in Oregon, uh, Western Oregon, or the Portland area. And um, this is a relocated Neptune IC line for me. So Neptune is activated. My own Neptune relocates. If you turn the chart, the same number of degrees as I have moved west from the place of my birth, Neptune goes from the second house down to the relocated, I see the beginning of the fourth house. And that means that you have this internal experience of Neptune. Neptune's heightened. So I'm more sensitive to these energies. I'm more sensitive to perturbations in consciousness and other people's energies. And And I'm much more sensitive to how they feel my energy changes. So it's all like Neptune energy, consciousness, awareness, all this stuff. So I was a little bit freaked out because I'm a little more sensitive. And later that night, before, oh, okay, the previous night I had seen a large spider. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I don't want to, I'm not going to kill it. I don't want to move it. I don't want to wake Jillian up. Jillian takes care of spiders. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I mean, this is the whole story of why. Um, because what she'll do is she'll get a glass and then like a piece of cardstock or a, a envelope or something and slide it under it and take the spider outside. So she doesn't kill it either. It's not like I'm like, oh, Jillian, kill the spider for me. It's not. That's not what we're doing. Um... So that was the previous night, and it was late, but then by the time I was like, oh, i got to do something about it, it had crawled away into this, like, cabinet cupboard thing, and I was like, oh, man, I'll tell her about it tomorrow, and then she can save me. No, and then she could. So the next day, I forgot for hours, I did tell her in the evening, and she was like, oh, and she looked around that place, and I was like, oh, my God. Um, and she didn't see it. It was, like, hiding somewhere in there. Well, late at night, I don't know, I think it was 11 or 11.30 or something, which it is now, uh, and uh, I stay up and record stuff late after Jillian goes to bed, and I saw the spider on the carpet. Well, I was already completely freaked out because of the pictures of the shark. It's okay if you're laughing. It's okay. But I felt my whole consciousness shifted, right? I was, aw- I was feeling how strange it was to see the consciousness and see that soul in this shark face. It freaked me out. And it was that sense of the underwater thing. It was like the enormity of the reality of that sense, that sensation, what I was sensing. So then I was like pacing back forth not well, pacing, but I was like standing here, like trying to figure out what to do. And I was, again, I'm not going to kill it, but I see where it is. I could get a glass and a postcard or whatever and get the spider and take it outside. But I couldn't walk toward the spider because I could feel its level of consciousness. So I couldn't approach it. I couldn't walk past it to the bedroom and pretend it wasn't there. So I started to freak out. I got really upset like I was having some kind of weird psychic problem. Then I was embarrassed and I was like, I can't wake Jillian up. She happened to get up right then and come out and said, what's going on? And I was embarrassed and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, but there's a spider and I can't. And I couldn't explain what it was, but I was like a nervous wreck. And she said, oh, okay, well, where'd it go? I said, well, it went into the bathroom, which was like right next to the bedroom. So she went in there to look for it, and she got a glass and did a thing and took it outside. But I was like, I couldn't approach it because I felt weird that it was the same kind of consciousness in you and me, but it was in this little body. That freaked me out. The the, the mountain, the ocean, the... Um, the whale not the whale the shark and then the spider and realizing it was the same feeling i had of being overwhelmed by the enormity of the truth of something then i was just scrambled and messed up so i was apologized to her and she was like it's fine it's all right i'm up it's all it's no worries and she was really kind about it i i sometimes fear that like when i not being afraid of bugs but when i um Having a moment like that, that somebody else won't be compassionate and understanding, because it's really like, it looks like a mental illness. <laughs> it, it looks like you're losing your shit and you're a crazy person. And I get, I just get embarrassed sometimes when I get thrown off course like that, and um, feeling like totally messed up and scrambled. So, we talked about it. She took care of it. I opened the door for her. She ushered the little, the little spider outside. It wasn't little; it was actually pretty big. Um, it was probably like with its full like leg span, it was probably like an inch and a half. Which is pretty it wasn't a little teeny thing, it was like really big. Like across the room without my glasses I saw this spider. So anyway, so she took care of it and then I was telling her and trying and I was articulating this thing and I was telling her this this story. And after a certain point she was like, Okay, I gotta turn over and go to sleep. Like I hope you sleep well. And I was really still freaked out and I was lying there and I started crying because I had this, the image of my, my friend's dog in my head. And my friends have, since I've known them, have had cats. These two people I knew in L.A., and they live here now. They have two little kids, and they have, at the, when I was there at their house a month ago, they had a dog and a cat. But they have never had dogs before. Um, I don't even know if growing up either of them I had a dog. It's, it's a new thing, and it was just a... It came to them through through someone they know or something like that. Somebody needed to find a home for the dog, whatever. It's this little, pretty cute little dog, um, you know. Anyway, when I was at their house, this dog was eager, you know, for me to throw things for it. It would like to play fetch or whatever. And... Um, that was fine I did it and play a little tug-of war it's a tiny dog <laughs> and uh, it, but it was you know it would come up and put its little uh, front paws on my shin with this uh, toy in its mouth this cloth toy and look up at me and wait expectantly so when I'm sitting there in bed crying after having this freak out I can't get the image of that dog looking at me out of my head because I see the soul in there I feel the consciousness but I have this cognitive dissonance and this spiritual dissonance because that's just like a person but here it is in this tiny other dog this little dog body and it can't talk to me like I can't communicate with it and I feel the consciousness right I feel the consciousness what we might call the soul I feel it so at their house I'm talking to them catching up I haven't seen them in a couple of years 3 or 4 years or something talking about all these things and life changes and they're sharing with me about their lives and I'm trying to keep out that this dog is freaking me out because of the consciousness. It's hard for me to deal with this, right? Okay. Then that same night I saw and made nice with the, their cat. They had two cats for a long time and one passed away last year and um the one that was still alive at 15 years old and this is You know, basically, when I moved to L.A., they had just gotten these cats several months earlier, and they were young. And I bonded really quickly with the one who was still alive, who was very old, right? She's like 15 years old. And she came out, which was weird because she stays in their room all the time, and and she came out to see me, and it it was really nice. And later, after this thing with the dog, I picked her up and pet her and held her and talked to her. And it was really, really nice after a long time meaning several years of not seeing her. And I have these bonds with cats. So that's just kind of what my deal is. Um, well, I had to stop petting her. Like at a certain point, she was like, yeah, this is awesome. Keep petting me. And I was overwhelmed by what I'm describing to you. Like the, the, the imminent reality. Like I was seeing this consciousness in her, in this little body, and it was freaking me out. <laughs> the mountain, the ocean the shark the picture of the shark from halfway across the world the this was shark was out uh, was in Hawaii area and the dog and the cat it's all the same thing consciousness you can feel the consciousness so as I'm sitting lying in bed crying I'm just crying for like another half hour while she's while Jillian's trying to go to sleep I'm just sobbing I'm just crying i can laugh about it now and um yeah, I realized I stopped petting the cat because I couldn't handle it. It was, it was overwhelming. And it was within a week or so that the cat passed away. So I got to reconnect with this cat who was my friend from 15 years ago. <laughs> and that was nice. Um, but I couldn't handle being aware of that consciousness. So even now as I talk about this, um, I think about when I did animal communication as part of my work. I don't, I don't do it anymore only because it's another set of radio frequencies. Um, and for me, I need to be with the animal. So the vast majority of my work, at least I could probably tune in without seeing the animal, but my normal process is that I have to be with the animal. I can tell you what the dog is thinking or what the cat's feeling or whatever you know anyway when I started doing it it was for this woman who had eight cats and she hmm, I got connected to her through basically a friend of a friend and um... she had eight cats and typically any given week one of them was at the vet for a serious health problem and uh, she asked me to come to her house and clear this spirit that came in with these antiques because I do clearing work now this was years ago this was like you know oh my god I'm trying to remember what year it was but this was this was a long time ago this was like over 10 years ago when I lived in LA Oh no, I can tell you it was like I because I lived on the east side for the last time so this was like 2007 2008 and um, for upwards of a year I come over to her house she wanted me to sage her house and when she would buy these carved African masks from this antique store, she wanted me to see if there were spirits with them and clear the energies. So that's what I did. So I'd get a call from her, and she would say, hey, can you go to that store, this particular store in Santa Monica, and can you um, <laughs> and uh, you know, tell the guy at the counter that you're there because of me, and he'll show you the piece that I'm looking at. And so I would do that. And then I would go to her house and sage her house, and she'd be at her job or whatever. And then um, that was that. Well, anyway, so she had these eight cats, and I told her that the cats were these health issues. They were manifesting things. She was like, oh, well, if you can help them, great. So I would go over there. Sometimes I would go to the vet, the vet's office, where one or two or three or four might be at any given time. Uh, you, When I first started going, it was like one a week. So basically every other month. Every cat would be in the vet for three or four days or a week or something with all these different issues. This one kept getting the UTI. This one, uh, whatever. This, you know, there are different problems each of them had. One of them was on, mm, I want to say Prozac, but it could have been an equivalent, like a similar pill, uh, uh, SSRI, because um, she had anger problems and she was she would pee on the bed. So there are all these different issues, right? So. As I'm talking to you and telling you this, Dear Diary, as I'm telling you this story, I'm also remembering those connections with those animals, which wasn't overwhelming, but it was like making this kind of consciousness connection and, and adapting and getting the info, right? Understanding what they were about and what they were feeling. Anyway, I was able to help a number of the cats. Um, I'd say on a routine basis, five of them I was able to help, and I, and I would have like a little deeper connection with a couple of them. Like One of them was... Huge. Uh, big bone, but also heavy. Both, you know, had had both going for him. He was gigantic. And he was a big black fluff ball, so he was ridiculously large. And he would hide in this cupboard in the kitchen. She would keep this particular cupboard close. He could open the door, because he was giant <laughs> and strong, and he would hide in there all the time. He'd, like, come out to get a little food or whatever, go to the bathroom, and he would hide. And as it turns out, he was... Uh, I was able to discern that he was freaked out because he didn't understand why he was a cat. It was weird to him, and the other cats didn't accept him. So I asked the other cats, I said, look, he doesn't know what's going on. He hasn't been a cat before. And that changed everything. Because then they looked at him differently. So no, I was able to like do things to help their quality of life. Eventually, though, I was explaining to the woman, these health issues of the cats keep recurring because... They're manifesting your emotional issues and they have the whole time. So, stuff that you're unresolved with in your life, and the details don't matter, but basically, these cats were taking on her energy as animals, as our pets often do. And she didn't like the idea that I was telling her she had a work to do because I, she didn't want to be vulnerable. She wanted to just let the Fox News play 24 7 in her house and have somebody else fix things for her. And I know that's kind of a stereotype. I'm not trying to be judgmental toward her but that was the energy in the house she wasn't looking at things she was being fed by that frequency of media that's really divisive and anger inducing and fear inducing so that was kind of her deal and so we ended she you know she decided to end this business relationship anyway um, which was fine because i told her she could save her own house (laughs) like it'd be fine um, anyway, so, uh, I have done animal communication at times. And, and at these days, the reason, one of the reasons I don't do it is because, like I said, being in person with an animal, but, uh, but even like my mom has asked me stuff about her cat, but then when I was with her, I was actually able to tune in, but it's also just different frequencies. Like I don't do a lot of mediumship right now also because like think about an analog radio dial and turning the the frequency this way and that, turning the knob. And so Jehudi is one one of those frequencies. Uh, Metatron is another one, and I work with those all the time. Different people's spirit guides fit in several different of those frequencies because guides can be very different. Um, And dead people who are freaking out and don't know they're dead uh, that's another set of frequencies. And then dead people who are like guides is a different frequency, but not the same as a guide. So anyway, all these different radio stations, um, I just, whatever, I'm just not doing animal stuff right now. But anyway, yeah, that's what happened. I lost it. Like I basically, if I didn't know better, I would be afraid that I was having some kind of like nervous breakdown or psychic break. But it was just this feeling of being overwhelmed by this thing. And then even today. And this is kind of what I want to get at. I mean, now I'm just giving you anecdotes and stories, but I want to get to a point, you know, where I'm turning this into a useful, a thing that may be useful for people who feel very Neptunian, um, who experience consciousness shifts and feel like they're losing their mind sometimes, or afraid afraid of losing their mind, or afraid of Meditation or whatever, you know, afraid of spirits or guides or whatever, uh, being, you know, afraid of being overwhelmed in, in any of these ways. Um, this morning, uh, I was, my girlfriend was getting ready to do some stuff that would occupy her for like an hour and a half or something. And I take that time to record readings. And so I pulled up these charts for this person's relationship reading. And she booked it like two weeks ago. And I've been trying to get to it. And just logistical, you know, circumstantial crap has happened. So I, I was excited to get to it. I sat down, I look at the charts, I start talking to the guides and listening and somebody pounds on the front door of the apartment I'm working in the living room. It's a delivery person. I don't answer it because I'm trying to focus, I'm talking to the guides. Pounds again, pounds again. And then um, my girlfriend calls out, you know, whatever, what this is this the water delivery person? So then she's like, I was like, oh, well, it turns out they just called me. So I try to call them and my phone won't work. It's just this stupid thing that started to happen the last couple of weeks for no reason. And I already called tech support. They can't fix it because that's how it works. Anyway, um, so I couldn't call. So I gave her the number and then she called and put it on speaker so I could hear the delivery guy's voice with the static. And I was like, the energy of chaos made me angry. And I had to go. I drove out. I drove around a while. I got some coffee. I calmed down, listened to podcasts. Because losing control either makes me scared or angry. Since I was sitting down to do work, I was angry because I had a goal. My ego had a plan. So anyway, what you know, if you have anger response or if you identify with some of these things I've been talking about, with this Neptunian experience, if you have anger response or if you have fear, losing control response, I promise you that a consistent practice to get grounded and stay conscious of your body is the most important first step. So now we go through the anecdotes, and here is the thing that may be useful. <laughs> um, because if you are very Neptunian, you will feel, or very lunar, right, moony or chironic, you will feel energy. You will feel fluctuations in emotion and energy, and you will feel your own emotional responses being peaked or triggered by things, and you won't know what it is. Sometimes you won't know what's happening. Um, For me, this morning, I knew what it was, because it was like overt chaos in my environment when I relaxed to open the channel so I could bring through the guides for this client and answer her questions in an MP3. And... That to me is a sacred duty, but it's also peace for me. That's my happy place, one of them. <laughs> uh, that's one of my happy places is bringing through information from guides and channeling so that I can, you know, if I can help make somebody's life better through translating, you know, etheric messages, right, from the ethers, then that makes me really happy. And to know that. I had the room to myself, and she was going to be gone for an hour. And a, You know, just anyway, so that kind of control thing, I knew what the what it was. I felt like there was chaos in my environment, because then the delivery person was going to be here, and I was like, no, I can't handle the, another person's energy when I'm sitting down to open the channel. So, um, I, again, I closed the door and got up and drove around. But anyway, uh, sometimes if you don't know what those things are, the way that the Ascended Master, I, I, I uh, channel Jehudi, Thoth, Hermes, Merlin, St. Germain, that dude I'm always talking about. The way that consciousness level talks about grounding is, you are increasing the stability and security, and the structural strength or integrity of the container of consciousness. So your body is your body. Your consciousness is attached to it. But if you are, but we need to con- uh, intentionally—I don't want to see use the word conscious or consciously too much here. It sounds silly after a while. If you are intentionally spending time in your body feeling the energies and emotions in your body, feeling the muscles, right? Feeling the, the tendons, like being aware of the motion of your body. If you are grounded and clear, then when these energetic disruptions occur, you are less thrown. This is the center of the whole grounding teaching that I'm always talking about. There are many MP3s here on SoundCloud and videos on YouTube, if you look it up, look me up there, uh, which talk about this, the importance of grounding, and of course, programmed Tiger iron and onyx and shivalingum can help with this, uh, pulling energy down to lower chakras. But you have to be willing to be in your be in your body. So that thing that happened with the emotional bit, when I was crying, 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 I was able to work through it and not shut down. Like remember, I said about the mountain and the ocean. I shut down and I left. Uh, the thing with the cat, I'm petting the cat and I'm like feeling her consciousness and it's freaking me out. I shut it down and I left. With the little dog, I'm like blocking it out. I realize it's always like that with dogs and cats. It's always like that. And some birds, and that freaks me out because basically birds are like dinosaurs. That's a whole other story. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it always freaks me out. But anyway, the other night I was able to let the emotion come out, the the confusion. And the pain and the fear. And it's because I'm focused on grounding every day. So one of my basic practices, you may have heard this from me before, but I want you to understand how important it is if you have heard it. Um, imagining, meaning sending, cords, energetic conduits or cables from the bottoms of your feet in your root chakra into the earth all the time. Jehudi will say, please do this 24-7 and his intent is for us to learn to manage our energy and emotions better. So if you are particularly Neptunian, Chironic, or Lunar, right? if you have those energies really strong in you, you may feel um, thrown off course by somebody's anger or by the reality of a painful thing somewhere in the world. You might feel like you don't know what's going on and you feel messed up and you feel high. Or crazy, or something like that. We have a joke uh, here b- between uh, my partner and myself about how when I sometimes get altered, I don't understand what's happening. I get confused, and I feel like I'm high. And one time, uh, she, I was, I was uh, lying in bed, and I was trying to take a nap, and she came in and said, "Hey, how you doing?" And I was like, "Oh, the shapes are all wrong," because I was standing at a door, and I didn't understand the shape that. The door frame had, and the door, and the angle, the shapes looked wrong. So the shapes are all wrong, is kind of a joke here because um, I do get altered. But anyway, the more grounded you are, the more you can deal with these perturbations in the stability of your consciousness, these disruptions or these discrepancies in your, you know, comfort in being grounded and stable. So our task when we're very Neptunian in some way, very Piscean, very Neptunian, very twelfth housey. Our task is to cultivate intentionally the grounding practice. And Jehudi would say becoming a stone tower. Your lower three chakras, being a small stone tower. as a foundation on which the rest of your life is built. And if you're into if you're interested in this, again, the, the program Tiger Iron or Onyx and Shivalingam, but also the chakra course teaches you how to build from the ground up every day. It's an MP3 course covering all seven chakras, but you can buy it in just the first three chakras alone, because you do, or, or the whole thing, or the second, you can know, get the second part later, because you, we really need to focus on the lower three chakras. And the deal is that it's harder to deal with those issues in the lower three chakras, uh, because they are early childhood issues, they are unconscious issues, they are sticky issues. Like in the root chakra, it's about family, home, ancestry, community, society. Basically, do you feel supported and loved by the world, you know, uh, do you feel safe and welcome here? Second chakra is how you learn about yourself through relationships, what others have told you about you, and how you've interpreted how others have treated you. It's about creativity and sexuality and money too, but like the energy exchange and the flow between people is a huge part of the second chakra. Third chakra is self-esteem the self-image you have of yourself. If you have guilt or shame or if you like yourself, that's in the third chakra. So those things can be really sticky and deep and mucky. And the teaching from this Ascended Master is you have to go low into those chakras to build every day up. If you go to upper chakras, because you've been taught, and many people believe this, that that to be spiritual you have to go up, well then if you don't really find gratitude for the way your family was fucked up or that rejection or when somebody told you, you know, you needed to get your head out of your ass, whatever. You know, if you don't learn how to process guilt and shame in your third chakra, you're never going to be really spiritual. You might be intuitive, but you're going to be flighty. You're going to be ungrounded. You're going to be flaky. So going down to the root every day is the point. Having cords into the earth is a great tool. So if you are Neptunian, just to recap here, you need to get grounded and cultivate that and deal with those lower chakra issues. So, I'm fine. I know I've described like this like really weird experience over the last, you know, week, but but I'm fine, but I am living in this location more attuned and sensitive to the deeper Neptunian issues and I am more, you know, susceptible to being affected by consciousness and nature, right? So, um, You know, as I drive around, I see the hills with tall trees, and I'm not freaked out at all. Uh, But also, it's, you know, not sensing a mountain at night, you know, or the ocean at night or something. Anyway, everything's fine. I'm in a process long-term of learning how to ground, and maybe you are too. But anyway, you can check out the grounding meditation at tdjacobs.com, as well as a chakra course in the program Tiger art and Other Crystals. Thank you for uh, playing along with me for my dear diary uh, for today, and I hope it's helpful. And let me know uh, if I can be of service to you uh, in your evolution, uh, wherever you are and whatever you might need. Take care.